so we make sure we can put this online for those uh, who are working over in the nursery. Thank you. Um, uh, we'll be doing the uh, Ephesians chapter 6, 1 through 9 today, and then as we get into our September 11th, we'll be talking about the armor of God and wrapping up the, the final bit of Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 6. And then after that, we will move into that Not a Fan series as, we, as we'll be looking at that. I uh, ordered some books this week, so if you are up for reading that book, Not a Fan, we'll have some available to you at the Information Center starting next week. They should be here on Thursday, so those will be there for you. If you do me a favor and open up your Bibles, like I said, to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be going uh, verses 1 through 9 today. And I'm going to give you a little background of how we got here. Um, we started last week in Ephesians 5.21. And Ephesians 5.21 talked about submission and submitting to one another in Christ. And that carried into this whole idea of submission of wives to husbands and how husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. We talked about that last week. Wasn't an easy message to give. Wasn't an easy message probably to hear for some of you. But it is in the Bible. We don't want to just skip the things that aren't easy because if we did that, we'd only be reading a couple of things and just continually repeating those over and over. But um, what we're going to do today is probably even more difficult, especially, especially for dads. And I'm going to give you that heads up. It was a message I didn't like to prepare for this week. As a matter of fact, probably the majority of my preparation was last night because I kept putting it off and putting it off and not wanting to do it that much. And... As I was looking at it, as I was studying it, I said to myself, this has been a bad week for me overall, even as a dad. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. But what I'd like for you to do, like I said, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be starting in verse 1 as we see that it talks about the transition from wives submitting to their husbands and husbands loving their wives of the church to children Children submitting to their parents. And this is the, this is the fun part right here um, because this is something that needs to happen. So the kids that are in here, you're not going to like it, but that's tough. Here it is. It says, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on earth. That's Ephesians 6, 1 through 3. Now, I'd like to remind you something that we talked about last week. As Paul writes, as he's writing this, he's writing to a culture that doesn't value women, that especially doesn't value children, which we're going to talk about, as well as slaves, which we're going to talk about today. Last week, we talked about the fact that women were secondary to men. And this was why he was writing this and saying women need to submit, but men also need to love their wives as Christ loved the church. As he talks about children, children were even in less high regard than women. As a matter of fact, children at the time were considered property. Until you reached a certain age of maturity, you were considered property. It wasn't unlikely, it wasn't unlikely for children to be treated poorly. I mean, here we, we think of children as precious, and we, we love them, and especially other people's kids. Um, the, uh, the idea of, oh, the, your kids are so cute and my kids are crazy, because my kids are crazy, but that's just a whole other story. The, uh, the whole idea of going and throwing a baby shower, because somebody's getting ready to have a baby, and we're excited when the baby comes, and we bring flowers and balloons, and everybody wants to hold it, and it, it's just all that. The way that it happened then is when a baby was born, 
A baby was presented to the dad and laid at his feet. If a dad chose to keep that baby, he would bend over and he'd pick it up. Generally, a firstborn would be one that would, uh, a firstborn son especially, one that was kept. But if for some reason there was any sort of deformity, if there was anything wrong with it, if it was a girl and they didn't want a girl, if it was a second son and they didn't want a son, all the father had to do was turn his back, they picked up the baby, and they put it out on the front porch and let it die. That is the culture that Paul is writing to. And I know that that is hard for us to believe, but that was it. It was okay for a dad to sell their children. It was okay to sell them into slavery at any point in time. How would that make you feel if you were a child? There's days that I think about doing it, but, you know, that was just the norm. It was okay to get rid of your kids. And the thing was, is when a baby went out on the front porch, it would be left there. If a neighbor came over and got it, if this child was to live and a neighbor came over and picked that up, that baby up, they would make it a slave. They would make it part of their house, but it generally would be an owned piece of property. And that's hard for us to believe. But as Paul is writing this, as Paul is writing this, we have to have that mindset. It's funny. Uh, I'm not sure if you guys have ever uh, studied where um, Jesus is uh, talking with the disciples when they got in their fight about who's the greatest among them. And what Jesus does, he grabs a little child and brings a child into the mix of it all. That's the same culture. So when you th- see these things about children, you know, we tend to view it from our, oh, children are precious and children are cute. In their stories and in, in, in the times that they're writing, children were property. And so it kind of changes our perspective. When Paul sits down and says, all right, children, obey your parents. Well, that should have been just a, a natural given. But he was, he was saying, well, the reason why we need to obey our parents, there's a couple of real good reasons to it. And when you look at that and when you see it and see these reasons, it kind of changes everything. It kind of changes everything because what is the first question that probably in the culture then and even the culture now that a child would ask if you say, obey your parents? Why? Exactly. That is the first words out of a kid's mouth. I don't think that's ever changed. It's been that way since Adam and Eve had a kid, and it's still going on today. You know, it, it's just the question we ask, why? And we still ask it as adults. It's not like when we mature, why becomes less of a, a word that we use. And we think about it, and we hear it, and we, we say, you know, why? Why do we have to do this? Children have been created by God to have their own desires, Just like we've been created by God to have our own desires. We will push the limits. When we know what God wants us to do, we still ask the question, why? So Paul says here, Paul says, here is the reason why. Here is the reason why. We need to obey. And the word obey in that culture meant to listen and respond. To listen to the the challenge and respond to it. So he says, the reason why we need to listen and the reason why we need to respond is because it's in the Ten Commandments. It's one of the first five. It is number five. And and when we see it, it says, honor your father and mother. And the reason why we do it is because we need to live 
a long life. There's a promise that comes along with this obedience. Because I think Paul knew the kids were going to continue to ask why. So he says, the command comes with the promise first that things will go well, well with you. Things will go well for you if you obey your parents. Anybody in here, am I the only one that fought with your parents when you were in high school? I, I, I had a few run-ins with my parents. Because there was a time that they thought they knew they were smarter than me. And they weren't. Because I was a teenager and the first response, instead of asking the question why, was, I know. How many of you guys get that? As soon as something comes out of mom and dad's mouth was, I know, I know. You don't have to tell, I know. And that was the thing that we all said all the time. And Paul says here, Paul says, if we obey our parents, if we honor them, things will go well for you. You will not get backhanded across the face, I think is what he's really saying. Things will go well for you. Honestly, if we listen, honestly, if we hear what our parents say, if we put our self-righteous pride aside, our parents really were right. There are many times we look back and say, you know what, I guess they kind of knew what they were talking about. They'd kind of been there before, even though we didn't think they had, even though we think that, that they were going to be wrong, and they didn't have any idea what situation. We forget that they were kids once, too. I know my son has a really hard time trying to gather that. You know, we were, we were watching uh, Tim Hawkins' video yesterday, who's a Christian comedian, and he was talking about um, kids who whine about things that they get, and it, he was talking about the iPod Nano that his daughter got, and she said it was too big and too cumbersome, and he starts joking, did you ever try and run around with a cassette player attached to your hip, a cassette Walkman? And we were laughing, and I, I told, Camden was laughing at it, but he didn't know what a cassette player was. So that was even funnier that he was laughing, and we were kind of joking back and forth, and I said, yeah, I actually remember trying to do that, and as you're running, it would fall open, and the tape would fall out, and you know, those kind of things. And, uh, and so we were, we were joking about that, and he's like, oh, you know what, I didn't know that you had that when you were a kid. I don't know what he thought, that, uh, how, how old I am, but it's kind of one of those things that we, we forget that our kids were that way. Mark Twain has this really funny quote that I've heard said before, but it said, he said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished by how much he'd learned in seven years. You know, we have that attitude towards our parents, and I'm sure, like I said, I'm not the only one that had that issue with mom and dad. But obedience to our parents really does keep us out of trouble. Obedience to our parents really does keep us out of trouble. And the second thing that Paul says is it keeps us alive. It keeps us alive. Some of you had great parents in here, and you still didn't get along with them. Some of you had parents that weren't great, but I'll tell you what. No matter what set of parents you had, the good ones or the bad ones, you learned from them. You learned either what to do or you learned what not to do. And that was a rule that, that you learned by example, even though you didn't act like you were listening to them, you were watching them. And that's a lesson that we have to know as parents as well, that we'll tell our kids what to do and they're going to act like they're not listening to us, but they're watching us. And I know that from a fact, and this is a, a bad example, but it is an example nonetheless, that this week, um, Camden got onto his little brother, his little brother, Peyton, uh, who is four, Camden is ten. Peyton asked him a question. And Camden's response was an angry response of, well, what do you think? 
What's it look like I'm doing? And Christy heard him say it, and she said, that wasn't nice. Why did you say that? And he goes, well, that's how Dad says it to me. And I went, <gasps> And he's right, because when there's a stupid question, I give him a stupid answer. And that, that's my own fault, and I, I am not the model parent that I should be in, in all areas and aspects, but it's amazing when you see it firsthand, and you get on to your kid for doing something wrong, and they say, well, that's what you do. I'm not sure if you remember that uh, old public service announcement about marijuana. Um, and it was probably, gosh, mid-80s mid or something like that. And the dad comes in and he's yelling at the son who's sitting on the bed. And he says, where did you get this? Who taught you how to do it? And he's like, Dad, I learned it by watching you, all right? I learned it by watching you. And everybody starts crying. And it's, it's one of those powerful ones. That, but you remember it. And that, that's, that's exactly it. They do. They watch us. And they learn from us. And when, when they learn... They can learn to keep themselves out of trouble and have that long life. For children to obey and parents to enforce obedience really is not a completely and totally easy task. It sometimes can be very difficult, but, but as children learn this idea of submission, it is not only important for them to learn the idea of submitting to their parents, but it's important for them to learn the idea of submitting to God. Because there's going to be times when kids are going to push their parents and they're going to want their will to be done versus their parents' will to be done. And as they learn that, that that's not okay, they'll also learn that God wants us to do certain things. And as we all know, we want to do our own things. But there's a time that it needs to stop and we need to listen to what God is saying. And we learn that as children. And parents are the ones that teach it. Parents are the ones that teach it. Obedience to parents is a direct transfer to obedience to our Heavenly Father. Becoming a parent is not difficult. Being a parent is very difficult. I'm not sure how many of you guys watch the news. I try actually not to because it seems like the first 12 stories are always about stupidity. And people just making really, really poor decisions. And last night I was, I was watching, and it was an apartment, that two, uh, two parents were arrested for um, child abuse that led to death uh, on a 10-month-old uh, baby because they put the baby in the bathtub and they went to the back room to have sex. And the baby drowned. And I was just blown away. Blown away. And that, it was funny because I already finished this line, but I knew that becoming a parent isn't that difficult. It's not. Once you reach puberty, it's not that difficult to become a parent. But actually being a parent and raising your children right is difficult. There's a fine line between that just being their friend and letting them do what they want to do and, and not being that tyrant parent, and then on the other side being just overly bullying. And the funny thing is, is that's what Paul goes into next. He says it's, it's a difficult thing. It, it's a, there's a line there that has to be made, though. And that's what we look at here in verse 4. Look at verse 4 with me. It says, Fathers, talking to me, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. That was the hardest verse for me to study this week. Hardest verse. And the thing is, it's not only for fathers. Even though it says fathers, it's for mothers as well. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction 
that comes from the Lord. As the Lord treats you, you should treat your children. Paul says, hey dads, hey moms, you have a huge responsibility to be the parents and to be the disciplinarians, to help keep your kids in line and teach them how to obey. But the thing is, he says, don't beat them into submission. Don't verbally abuse them into submission. Don't crush their tender spirits to make them submit. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, that is difficult. Because there are times that you just want to force them to do what you want them to do. And the best way to do that is make them feel that big. And I know that by experience. And I, I, I hate to even have to admit it. But there's so many times that it, it seems like it's easier just to crush them and, and destroy their will. And I, I, I would assume I'm not the only one that's done that before. And I always feel bad after I do it, but at the time it seems like the right answer. How do you balance the idea of letting them run all over you versus you running all over them and somewhere meeting in the middle. How do you do that? Well, this is what Paul's talking about. He says, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Or the KJV, if you have that, says the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The nurturing. That nurturing that is there, he says, you know, it, it involves example. It involves maintaining discipline. It, it involves being diligent and teaching and instructing, showing, giving responsibility, and then supporting them as they learn. Supporting them as they learn. How many times have you gotten frustrated, and I can, I can say that I can't count because it's been that many times, where you get frustrated when you're trying to teach them something, they fail, they fail, they fail, and finally you say, just give it to me. And you're going to do it yourself, and you're going to show them how to do it because we don't want to waste this time. And I find myself doing that too often, unfortunately. When what we're supposed to be doing is helping them learn and bringing them along and maturing them and bringing them in this process. Now, discipline is a part of it. But it's not the only part and it's not the part where we're supposed to crush them. You know, what this is crazy is, is that God says to do it, Paul says to do it, in the Lord. In the Lord. And as we look at that and we see those words, we should be acting like God. Remember how this whole passage started back in Ephesians chapter 5 in the beginning? It says to imitate God, to therefore imitate God and do these things like Him. And there's a whole list of things in 5, 1 through 21. And then it starts into this idea of submission and these things like this. This is part of it. Imitate God in your parenting styles. Imitate God in how we're to raise our kids. Looking at these first four vi verses, we see that children really are a gift from God. They are His, and we are raising them. They were given to us as a gift, and we are raising them. That's a huge, huge responsibility. That we're supposed to bring them up and mature them so they follow, so they follow the Lord and submit to Him as they get older. It's not easy. But I think what makes it easier, I think what makes it easier is 
going back to verse 21 of chapter 5 where it says submit to one another in the Lord. Now, when we say that and we think about this, well, children obey your parents, that should just fall naturally. But on the flip side, when it says submit to one another, that means parents are supposed to give a little too. That's not easy. That's not an easy thing to think about and that's not an easy thing to do. But if we do it, it changes everything. Then Paul switches focus to slaves and masters. He switches to slaves and masters, and the idea of slaves and masters probably doesn't really fit well with us, but I think what it does boil down to is, though it's not exact, is employees and employers. Employees and employers. Now, there are a lot of people in Paul's day that were slaves. He wasn't condoning slavery in any way here, but what he was doing is he was saying, this is how it should work. If you're in a position where you are owned in this case, or if you are working for somebody, in our case, how we should act and how in turn the employer should respond to us. This one it says in verses 5 through 8. It says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you, As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will reward each one of us for the good we do, whether we are slaves or we are free. That word there in the beginning, slaves obey. That obey, that obedience is the same word that he used back in 6.1 when it said parent, or children obey your parents, which means listen and respond. Listen and respond. Employees are to do what their employers tell them to do. <gasps> I know, novel thought, but that's what we're supposed to do. That's how we're supposed to respond. That's how we're supposed to respond. Notice Paul says here, he's reminding them that these are your earthly masters. That there is a master over all, that is over everything, and that is God. And he is the ultimate authority. He's the one that we need to uh, be reminded of. It's not always going to be where we're slaves to an earthly master, but at the same time, there will always be a slave. We will always be a slave. We'll always be a slave to Christ. And I know that sounds crazy, but he has bought us. He has redeemed us with his blood. And we'll always be a slave to Christ. And the idea here is we are to obey our employers. And the next thing he says is to respect our employers. How many of us have ever fallen into the trap of talking negatively about our employers? I'm sure almost every one of us in here have. And we fall into this negative trap of talking negatively to our other employees or whatever it is, and we're putting it down our our employers. And the idea is we're supposed to, as Paul says here, be respectful and fearful. And not fearful like we're going to get fired, but fearful in an awe sort of way, the way we're fearful of God, to be God-fearers and show due respect. We're not to despise them in our hearts, and we're supposed to not hate our bosses. Plain and simple, we're not supposed to hate our bosses. And there's some people in this room might have that issue going on right now in your heart. We are supposed to change your attitude and not just make this some, oh, well, the Bible says I have to not hate you. It's, it's supposed to actually happen. 
It's supposed to actually be a heart change and, and feel a respect and an awe for your employer. Now, not all employers are great. I understand that. Paul understands that. God understands that. And that's why he goes back to that idea that it's only going to be for a short time. And that God is for eternal and all that. Next thing he says is to work with all your heart. To be sincere in the way that you are working. Not just when your boss is watching. I have this cartoon that um, uh, it's a little... uh, comic strip that somebody put on my door when I was very first got started into ministry. And I'm not sure why they put it there, but I've kept it for forever. And it has a boss standing over the, uh, an employee's desk, and the boss says, why aren't you working? And the employee's response is, I didn't see you coming. <laughs> and and that's, that's so typical of us that we like to at least work hard when somebody's watching. But when somebody's not watching, we tend to pull back a little bit, tend to not work quite as hard. And, and what Paul says here is, work with all your heart all the time. And be happy about what you're doing. Enjoy what you're doing. And use these next words to say, as to Christ. Sometimes it's hard to see, but our work is a direct reflection of how we should work for Christ. And that we are working for Christ, because we are a living example No matter what words you might say about how you love God or how you love going to church or you want to invite somebody to come to church, if your actions do not back up those things, they will not listen to you. Just like a parent cannot say something to their kids and turn around and do something totally different, a person that is a follower of Christ cannot have words that don't match up to their actions. It ruins your testimony. It ruins it. And that's why he says, we need to work as servants of Christ. We need to say, hey, when I go to work, I'm working for the Lord. I might be getting paid by this company, but I am working for the Lord. It is my opportunity. This is my mission field. This is where I go. This is how I'm supposed to act. He follows it up and says, this is us being servants of Christ and doing the will of God with all of our heart. It's this idea of working, and verse 7 says it, as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Would we put half effort into serving the Lord? Do we put half effort into serving the Lord? Should we put half effort into serving the Lord? Well, that same attitude that we have should be the same attitude that we do with our employers. Now, we flip it on the other side in verse 9 as Paul wraps up this section. It says, masters, employers, treat your slaves, treat your employees in the same way. Don't threaten them. And remember, you both have the same master in heaven, and he has no favorites. Employers are to treat their employees with the same kind of respect and faithfulness and integrity that God expects for the employees to do to the employers. It's supposed to be that idea of submitting to one another. And he gives a couple of warnings to the masters, to the employers. He says, you have a master in heaven who's going to hold you accountable. You have a master in heaven who holds you accountable. And the second thing he says is God shows no favoritism in his judgment. We're all equal in God's eyes. There's no higher class or lower class. You know, we'd like to be competitive. We'd like to have that, those things. We'd like to, 
to show that this is where we're better than somebody else at. But there is no better than. We're all the same in God's eyes. And the whole idea here is, is that Paul wants to, to take this idea of, of submitting to one another. And he, he, he shows in three different areas. That is the husbands and wives, the children and parents, and the employers and employees. And he says, we're to submit to one another as Christ showed an example of submitting to God and submitting to the church and giving his life and doing these things. Paul directs us to understand that there is an authority that's outside of this world and in our service, in our jobs, in our ministry, in our lives, in our marriages, in these things, we are to submit to God. And when that happens, it changes who we are. We should have a willingness to submit because it's a reflection of what Jesus did to God. We are to imitate God. We are to imitate Christ. Is it easy? No, it's not. Is there going to be bumps along the road? Absolutely. Are we going to fail? I told you how many times I did already this. Well, I didn't tell you all the times. I told you some of the times I did this week. We will fail. But the great thing about God is he doesn't say, give me that. You're done. You can't be my kid anymore. I'm going to sell you off. He doesn't do that. He's got grace and he's got love and he's got mercy that he shows to us. And when we screw up, and we all do, when we screw up, he's there to pick us up, to dust us off, to take us to the next thing. It all starts off with us being called to listen and respond, to imitate God, to listen and respond. How are you going to respond to that? Here in just a minute, the band is going to come up and we're going to sing a song that it's probably one of my favorite songs over the last about six months. I got to go to a conference back in April, and this guy named Gunger was leading the worship. I'd never heard him before, and he was very strange. But this, this song that they sang, it just really hit me. And, and I asked Jerome, I said, hey, can you guys learn this and, and sing this sometime soon? It's called Beautiful Things. And maybe you've heard of it before. They play it on K-Love now. But I'm going to read the words to you, and and after I do, I want you to, to hear it, because maybe you're thinking, Matt, what you just said to me, it's not possible. I can't change. I, I, I've been stuck in my ways for so long. I learned from my parents these negative things, and they have carried down. They have, they have flown through the blood, and, and that's how I ended up the way I am. And maybe that's true, but God can change you, and he's changing each and every one of us every day. Listen to the words of the song, and, and when they sing it, you know, as we sing it together, maybe these are a, a prayer that you can lift up to God. But it says, all this pain, I wonder if I'll ever find my way. I wonder if my life could really change at all. All this earth, could all that is lost ever be found? Could a garden come up from this ground at all? And it goes into the chorus and says, you make beautiful things. You make th beautiful things out of dust. You make beautiful things out of us. And then it goes into the bridge and says, all around hope is springing up from this ground. Out of chaos, life is being found. Out of chaos, life is being found. God is changing each and every one of us from the inside out. He is changing our hearts. He is changing our minds. He is changing us if we choose to listen and respond. This book of Ephesians is all about living a life 
that we are meant to live. We are one, one passage away from being done. I don't know how God has changed you over the last months. I don't know how God is speaking to you today, but I have a feeling that he is. My question for you is, are you going to respond? Or how are you going to respond?